Welcome to Teaching the Vegan Podcast, Episode 4, featuring Dr. Akhil Tahir. Welcome, Akhil, a practicing physician who, and now author, who had numerous painful and discomforting health problems and at 61 had open heart surgery. Your book, Open Heart, documents your life experiences, which features how a plant-based diet saved your life. So welcome, Akhil. Thank you. Nice being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So in your book, you stated that your life began at 61. Let's talk about that. Okay, uh, Tijan, you know what really happened is that most of my adult life, I was a lover of good, rich food. I was a seafood eater. I ate everything at sight. You name it, I've eaten it. And this was a typical sad diet, a standard American diet of meat, eggs, dairy. And on top of it, the Indian diet, which is full of saturated fats and oil. Along with this, I was a couch potato. I had done no exercise at all till then. The only exercise I really did was for my eye muscles looking at joggers run in the park. Wow. So I had done no exercise. And on top of it, I had a type A personality. Have to have everything under control. Now this, and to start living the American dream, so to speak, I really worked hard, neglecting my health, neglecting my family, my friends, but I was great with my patients. But the whole idea is that with this comes the thing of stress. Stress does not kill people. It is how you handle stress. Otherwise, most of our presidents and CEOs would be in a lunatic asylum by now. <laughs> yes. But it is how you handle stress. And I had not learned how to handle stress. So with all these things happening, Type A personality, living the American dream, bad diet, no exercise. With no surprise that heart disease, coronary artery disease, came knocking at my door at 61. And I had triple vessel blockage. So they put stents in there. And then was the five years till I was 60. This was at the age of 56. In the age of 61, the stents failed, and I had to have open-heart surgery. But between 56 and 61, the stents were put at 56, were the worst years of my life. Let's talk about that. How, um, how did you deal with, um, at age 56, having your life turn completely upside down and having these stents in your in your uh, arteries, how did that affect your home life and your and your work life? You thought I would have changed. After the stents were put in, that took two days because they had to, my, my heart went into a cardiac arrest because they had to break open the plaques 
the atherosclerosis. So I had to do two days. My groins were all hurting. They were all full of uh, blood. And I went to work back on the third day. I was a workaholic. Dedication. Yeah. But uh, then what happened was I went down the dumps. Mm-hmm. I was so depressed. I was so depressed. My wife had to carry me to a psychiatrist. And then on top of it, everything started piling up. Like I got sinus infections and bronchitis visited me every year. Because I was a physician, I used to take antibiotic shots, allergies, stomach problems. Oh, my God. Chronic constipation, diverticulitis, twice perforated colon. Oh, my God. Admitted with twice perforated colon and they wanted to get my uh, colon resected. I refused. They put me on antibiotics for 15, 20 days, three weeks, mouth ulcers for a year, inguinal hernia, thrombotic piles, you name it. And you know what? There was a standing joke in my clinic. I can laugh about it now. That if a patient came in and said, Dr. Taher, I have this, 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 this. I said, don't worry, buddy. I have it too. (laughs) So, So that was the state I was in. I tried faint-heartedly doing a bit here and there, but I did not change my life, Tijan. I ate the same rubbish. Diet, diet, diet. In my chapter on the seventh chapter is, diet is more important than exercise. Yes, I did read into that. So let's talk about that. Um, How, why is diet more important than exercise. See, one thing, Tijan, is that you cannot outrun your diet. If, for example, in just plain uh, layman terms, if you do a 3.1 miles or a 5-kilometer run, you are going to burn about 300 to 350 calories. Okay? You go to the first McDonald's and eat a burger, you're putting in 550 calories, period. So there is no, nothing that you can outrun your diet. And it is not that uh, it is genetics that run in the family. It is a diet that runs in the family. Bad diet, it's not bad genetics run in the family, but it's a bad diet that runs in the family. Now that diet is so very important that in my life, when I started changing over, it had to be, uh, I could not do it cold turkey. Okay. So I had to take steps, you know, to do it. And again, when you eat animal meat, see, I turned a vegan, not because like my wife and daughter 25 years back, because of cruelty to animals. Mm -hmm. I did not turn a vegan because of that. I did not turn because uh, because of the uh, environmental reasons or the methane gases and the greenhouse gases, but I turned because of health reasons. And the moment that food, the whole food plant-based diet goes into you, you start changing physically and mentally. You start becoming calm. You start becoming more compassionate. You start thinking about animals and the cruelty to animals. You start 
thinking about environmental deforesting, the trees, the carbon dioxide, the global warming, the rising, the glaciers melting. I was in Mount Kilimanjaro. When I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro at the base, before you climb, they show you all the peaks which were there 10, 15 years back, the mm-hmm. snow-covered peaks. And when I went up, these were dwindled. There was hardly any snow. Oh, that's so sad. So, Imagine what we are doing with animal husbandry, with the environment, and with the kind. But to me, there is no diet. There is no diet that can prevent heart disease. Because, Tijan, heart disease is a number one. It's a leading cause of death worldwide in men and in women. Mm -hmm. It kills more people than all the cancers combined. Make no mistake about it. Because in cancers, if you talk about breast cancer, you talk about ovarian cancer, you talk about lung cancer, you talk about colon or prostate cancer, it kills more people. And in cancer, I don't want to be little cancer because cancer is a serious thing. And more research, I'm very happy about it. We've got to do more. Mm-hmm. Even. But at least in cancer, you have the time to talk to the, to the person, help her or him to get a wig to get something, chemotherapy, hold their hands, while 50% of people in a heart attack die with the first heart attack. Right. There is, there is no, um, they, just, they just die like that. Absolutely. And, and that is the thing that went into me. And I said, look, if I could change at the age of 61, mm-hmm. I've got to help people, the younger people. When I came to this country, I never saw a diabetic or a blood pressure patient before the age of 50, heart, heart disease patient. Now, I'm seeing diabetes at the age of 25. Obesity is rampant. What is happening? People are dying. You, you have at least 40, 25% of the people dying before the age of 40 with heart disease, coronary artery disease. And 50% are dying this thing before the age of 55. Just recently, I came across one of the persons who wrote to me, and he is from Nepal. See, we are, we are South Asians. Mm-hmm. And South Asians meaning from India, from Nepal, from Bangladesh, from uh, uh, you call Sri Lanka, uh, Bhutan, as far as those Maldives, we are 25% of the uh, world's population, but we carry 60% of the heart disease. Why? And why is that? Because um, I was, as I was reading Open Heart, it was stated that in a in a study that 40% of um, South Asians were on a vegetarian diet, but yet they had the worst cardiovascular uh, health. Um, what is the reasoning behind that? Yeah, everybody thought that vegetarian diet is supposed to be good, is opposed to the sad diet or the meat, eggs, dairy diet. But if you are a junk food vegetarian, if you are a junk food vegan, if you're a junk food vegetarian, it is worse than eating the flesh of an animal. I absolutely agree. And it's easy to fault for that, right? This is what has happened in India. Oh, my gosh. When you got, when you got so many billions of people around there, mm-hmm. and then you have so many heart diseases, 
and so much of diabetes. Why? Because we love our ghee, our oil, our saturated fats, our sugary drinks. I don't know, but we have a we as Asians, South Asians, have a cultural connection with oil. Okay. You know what we do is we feel it is warmth. If we have a pot of curry and the oil is not floating on the layer, we feel we are not doing enough justice to our guest. And when people come in and eat this type of food, this is where it goes straight to your coronaries. And then when you are eating, when you are having this kind of a, a diet, and you see, I've seen people in India, in my own family, they will use the oil and then will reuse the oil and use it three or four times the same oil. Now, if you burn that oil at very high heat, it, it produces uh, mines which are can, uh, carcinogenic, the cancerous, and that can cause problems even later on. But our cultural connection with oil is so bad. That's the whole thing. And we people, of course, I'm not going to talk just about South Asians because to me, coronary artery disease is a killer in every, all ethnicities. Worldwide. Worldwide. Blacks, whites, Asians, uh, Chinese, American, everybody. Mm -hmm. This is a worldwide situation. So what happened was that, uh, that when I was taken to the surgery room, as I was being wheeled into the surgery room, a light bulb went off. And I started thinking, do I want to live like this, the five years? Or do I want to make a change? So I said, wait a minute, I can retire, go on my rocking chair, live vicariously through my children and my grandchild, and, and wait till the inevitable death sets in and I go away. Or do I want to make this setback into an opportunity? I don't know, Tijan. I promise you, there was an inflection point, a reflection point at that time. So when I was wheeled in and under the drowse of anesthesia, maybe partly because of that, I promised ICU nurses that I would do half a marathon in eight months if all went well. And, and what happened after eight months, after your open heart surgery? I did it. You did it. I absolutely did it. Three and a half hours or so, grueling. I mean, absolutely. I, I trained on flat surfaces and all that in my small town, Gadsden in Alabama. I live in Atlanta now, but at that time, and I'd never known hills. So when I saw in Nashville, all those hills, I said, oh my God. So I then just got out of my skin and I said, wait a minute, let me enjoy this. What am I doing all this for? Oh boy, I enjoyed. And there was a thunderstorm and there was rain and they were going to cancel the race. I said, I don't care. <laughs> I am just so happy. If they cancel, they cancel. If they don't cancel, they don't cancel. And that was a stepping stone to so many marvelous things that have happened. I mean, Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Kailash, uh, four marathons, uh, six half marathons, and triathlons. You know, I had to learn. I had to learn how to use my son's road bike. 
because I didn't know how to use with the clip pedals. So he told me, Dad, you got to learn. Remember, you got to learn how to fall without getting hurt. So I had to do that. At that age, I right. fell. Yes, I did. I, if you let me tell you a little story about the swimming part of it. I hate cold water. Mm -hmm. Never, even in the summers, I will have a hot water shower. Okay. So when the triathlon came, the Lake Linear, it was winter months, very cold. So I said, what do I do? So I went and got uh, the wetsuit. Mm -hmm. And I went up to try my new wetsuit game. I got very excited. I went up there in my bedroom and I put on the wetsuit without, you know, like men are, they never read instructions. They think they know everything. <laughs> so I put on my wetsuit and I felt great. Now came the time to just take it off. Think, could not, we could not take it off because I had not put body glide. Oh. So here it was up to the waist. Now it wouldn't come down. So I'd say, Nafi, it's my wife. I said, can I come down? I need help. She says, what's wrong? So I walk around there and I, she got my leggings and took me all over like a ragged doll, you know, <laughs> I was, and it wouldn't come out. So she just stopped. And I said, now what, is she mad at me or what's going on? She went into the kitchen, got a pair of scissors and cut those leggings out. I said, wait a minute. It's a $165 wetsuit. So do you want to remain that way or do you want to get out of it? Mm. And that is how the story of the wetsuit came around. Again, I put on the wetsuit next day, went to the YMCA, now with the body glide and everything else. Nowhere on the internet, you Google it. Nowhere does it say, because I do only one stroke, breaststroke. I don't know how to do freestyle. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever mentioned that when you wear a wetsuit, you cannot do a breaststroke. Oh. I went in there and I started floating like a frog. I wouldn't move forward. So I took cold showers, very cold showers, for seven days before the triathlon and put ice in my bucket and water and poured it over for seven days till I got used to the very cold water went for the triathlon in Lake Lanier, and guess what? I came second in my age group. My gosh. I can still remember because the guy who was first was six foot five, and the guy who was third was six three, and I was a little midget standing in between, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it. You know, it's incredible that after – you know, you're on the table getting anesthesia, getting ready to get your open heart surgery. And you have this revelation of wanting to just change your life. And if you make it through the surgery, you're going to do all these triathlons and you're going to become a mountaineer. And, and that's exactly what you did. And it's truly inspiring. And especially at your age, because it makes a, it just makes a huge statement saying that if, if you can do this, then you can help so many others around you by sharing this inspirational story. Absolutely, you know, because when I wrote the story and people said that, look, they said, Akhil, you do all these great things, 
but people want a message how you can help others. Mm-hmm. So my message is in the second part of the book. But what I'm surprised now is people are calling me, sending me emails, texting me, saying that, you know what? When we read your things in the first part, your uh, marathons and your climbing the mountains, we feel we are doing it with you. And that was so motivating and inspiring to me because people don't want to really get into this. You know, you have done it great, but what is in it for us? Is it going to help us? Right. So that is what I'm saying. The other day, the lady called me and says, I must tell you that I felt that now I am with you. I've done the triathlons. I've done the marathons. So I felt like it. I, I had my uh, uh, my boss who is uh, in, uh, in his 90s. And when we were in the Middle East, I was for 11 years over there in Bahrain. And Dr. Uh, Roy Grevison, uh, I told him that I will mention him, you know. So he, he was uh, he's in his 90s. And uh, he had an open heart surgery about two years back. He has written a beautiful review. He says, after reading Akil's book, the next day I went on the tennis court and played my first tennis game after a year. So people are being motivated. People, And that is the only, people ask me, what is in it for you? I said, look, I want to leave a legacy. I have done what I need to do. This country has given me a lot. My small town has given me the lot, a lot. People around me have been so nice to me. I got to give something back. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can give, Tijan, is please don't make the mistakes I made. Um. um. In, in Open Heart, you stated that chronic diseases such as cancer, diabetes, arthritis, kidney disease, heart disease, and strokes, they are what you called man-made diseases. Let's talk about this because people have the misconception that a lot of these are genetic but a lot of them can be prevented by diet. So let's let's speak on this. See, the idea is, Tijan, that uh, in the earlier centuries, mm-hmm. we had more of malnourished, dysenteries, diarrhea, infectious diseases that has taken place. We are not rid of the diseases. It's like in the fashion industry, the fashion has changed, mm-hmm. the diseases have changed. Now we have man-made more except for uh, the coronavirus right now. But other than that, we have man-made those decently and all that we have taken care of, mm-hmm. the infectious part. So in the fashion industry, how the fashion changes, now the diseases have changed. What I mean by man-made is that we doctors are extremely great at treating the consequence of the disease. Once you get the disease, great. Open heart surgery, this, that, everything done. Mm-hmm. We can do liver transplants, we can do that. But we treat the consequence of the disease. It's like, uh, it's like you know, uh, overflowing sink that is there and you're mopping the floor. And you're keeping mopping over overflowing sink instead of just turning off the faucet. The turning of the faucet is prevention. It's treating the cause. Now, 
we are also doing a part of our doc doctors are also doing great. They're treating the cause. Like if you've got cholesterol, I will bring down your cholesterol so that you don't get heart disease. Okay. This is a primary prevention. But I go a step further. I talk about primordial prevention. Why get these man-made diseases in the first place? You can avoid getting heart disease. You can avoid getting blood pressure. You can avoid getting diabetes if you have a vegan plant-based diet. Right. So if you don't have those men, that is why I say it is man-made. Right. So if you get those man-made diseases now, the question is, I, I tell people this all the time when they come to me. With the coronavirus, what do we do? Till we got the vaccinations, it was washing our hands, putting on the mask, keeping the distance so that you don't land on a ventilator. Right. For a heart disease, what do you do? You start taking the proper, most important, diet. And you have, number two, exercise. Number three, learn how to control your type A personality or your stress. Okay. And be in supportive groups so that you don't land up what I landed up with open heart surgery. Yeah. Simple things for difficult problems. But yet it's so difficult for people to grasp the idea that eating healthy, exercise, and uh, maybe yoga and meditation um, is really that simple for preventing uh high cholesterol and um, later than turning into heart disease. Correct. You're absolutely right. And therefore, when I turned uh, into a, uh, to come to a point, when I started becoming a vegan, I was not a vegan before. Mm -hmm. Even when I uh, started doing my uh, runs and all that, I've been a vegan for seven, eight years. So prior to that, I used to. Let me give you a, Example, I used to eat uh, a big, huge piece of chicken mm -hmm. or a steak after every big run, marathon, half marathon, what have you, before and after. And then I would take about one week to recuperate. Okay. What I did when I went vegan is... At the time when I did a 100-kilometer bike race, I was with my trainer, and we were there. It took us about six and a half hours to do it. But we were going to leave the next morning because you get tired after that. But I said, no, I'm not tired. Let's go and have a nice meal. I was a vegan then. I had a nice vegan meal. We're going back six hours to my small town. I said, no, let's leave today only. She says, great. So we went to, or as we were driving, I get a call from my office manager saying, we do not have a doctor tomorrow. It's Sunday because mine are urgent cares too. I said, don't worry about it. I'll come and work. Six and a half hours, driving six hours, next day shift of 10 hours that I did because there was no doctor. No, I did not need any time to recoup. Wow. This is the power. This is a miracle of a vegan, whole food, plant-based diet. That means what has happened in my case, because remember, I have three heads. 
One head is a doctor. One head is a patient. And the third head is an athlete. I'm an endurance athlete too. Mm -hmm. So my preparation time for an event, my performance time, and my recovery time after an event or after an injury is cut by 50%. Wow. Only by diet. Because everything else I'm doing, exercise, meditation, yoga. But I did not know why I was still feeling this till I changed my diet. And that's when everything, uh, when a light bulb came on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I can't go back. But the thing is that if people want to know, you can, if you are a very strong-willed person and you want to do it, by all means, go cold turkey. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, Take baby steps. You got to understand that what I did was first I became a flexitarian. Gotcha. I cut back on meat, dairy, and eggs. Okay. Then I started saying, now what? Give up one item and introduce a vegan item. My days were terrible. We didn't have restaurants. We didn't have any vegan groups. We didn't have anything, you know. So. Give up one item. So if you like a burger, then give up that burger, but have a mushroom burger. Okay. Earth-based. Or the jackfruit thing that has come up now. Yeah. That you can still enjoy the earthy taste of a burger. Then I said, wait a minute. Now what else to give up? And I gave up eggs, which was not a big thing. Then I was, still I was a lecto because I was drinking milk. So I gave up dairy. But you know what was the most difficult part in giving up dairy? What is that? Cheese. Oh, absolutely. No. There's a reason for this. The Let's reason... talk about why dairy is so addictive, scientifically. See, what happens in, in dairy is that, first of all, you you have this protein casein and this casein protein we cannot digest we are the only people in the whole of this universe that we not only drink milk after we are weaned but we drink milk from another species now we get that casein we can't digest it even if you digest it the casein turns into casomorphine, which is like morphine and opium. And this casomorphine is very high in cheese because you take a lot of milk to produce a pound of cheese. So that casomorphine is in the cheese. That's why a dairy person who's having dairy, my patients will tell me, Doc, I've listened to you, I've given up dairy. I said, did you give up cheese? Oh, no, 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 no. That I can't give up. Right. Because it's addictive. Apart from the other reasons of your bacteria and the hormones and the cruelty. And, and, and that is so pathetic. I mean, you impregnate the cows so that just they can give birth to babies. And then we snatch away the babies. Like, who is it? Uh, guy, I don't remember the name now who won the award, the Academy Award, and he said it so beautifully that we steal their uh, calves and take them away. 
and the cows moo for that the calf. Yeah. And then not only we do that, then we drink, put that milk in our coffee, and then take the calf and give it to the restaurants to be used as wheel. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Ah, Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, yes. Joaquin I remember Phoenix. that speech, and it was remarkable, I think, for so many of us uh, plant-based eaters. We were just totally, it was unexpected, but it was such a big statement that he made. Um, Absolutely. You know, one of the one of the huge things that the dairy industry has always promoted with drinking milk is that's how you get your vitamin D. So as, as a vegan, as you and I as vegans, what are some things that we can eat in a plant-based diet that we can get our B12, that we can get vitamin D from? Because I know you speak about that in open heart. Yes. To me, the only problems in being a vegan or a vegetarian diet is two vitamins, vitamin B12 and vitamin D. When they're talking about calcium, it's not vitamin D you're not getting from milk. It has to be fortified. And if you fortify milk with vitamin D, it's 100 international units. That's peanuts. Okay. Or, so that is not good. Orange juice, vitamin D. That's 100 international units, not good enough. So first, let's talk about vitamin B12. Anybody who is a vegetarian vegan should have at least 2,500 international units a day of vitamin B12. Why? Foods don't have it. We had our vegetable food, vegetables had it because this vitamin B12 was made by bacteria in the soil. So when we picked up the vegetables and all that, that vitamin B12 was still there because the soil was not uh, having pesticides, pesticides or insecticides. Now when you have insecticides and pesticides, yes, it is helpful that you don't get any dysentery and diarrhea anymore. But the downside is you are not getting any vitamin B12. So you have to have B12. All my vegetarian patients, if they're not on B12, the B12s are low. And B12 can give you subacute combined degeneration of the cord and spinal cord and all those things. So please have your vitamin B12 if you're a vegetarian or a vegan or a whole food plant-based diet. Number two is vitamin D. If you can go out in the, it's a called a sunshine vitamin. If you can go out in the sun for 20 minutes for uh, Caucasians, for me, a person like me, I need to go out for about 30, 35 minutes because melanin takes a longer time to absorb vitamin D. Okay. If I can do that in a day, 25, 30 minutes out in the sun, I don't need to take vitamin D. But with the COVID thing, this is something that your listeners should understand because it has happened to me. The first three months, last March, April, May, when we knew very little about this virus, we still know very little about this virus, but we were all indoors. I was doing it on my elliptical and I was doing it on my treadmill in my house. After three months, I checked my vitamin D. The normal is supposed to be 30 to 100. 
Mine was six. Oh my gosh. So vitamin D supplement must be taken by people. And especially older people. Vitamin D supplements of about 2000 international units is there. I have never seen in my 40, 45 years of practice, anybody getting a, a vitamin D toxicity. Okay. Even in my nursing home patients before the COVID, 60% of them were vitamin D deficient. And now we want to know something else. Recent, a two months study before two months. It also is very important. This your listeners should understand, even for COVID. You know what they did? They took 50 patients of COVID serious enough to be admitted in the hospital. 25 of them, they gave them high doses of vitamin D and 25 they did not give any vitamin D. The people who are not given vitamin D, eight of them landed on the ventilator. Only one person from the vitamin D group landed on a ventilator. This was a double-blinded small study, 50%, but it was a double-blinded study. It was not an observation, observational study. So it is important. And now there are reports suggesting that can even help you from getting COVID. Okay. So vitamin D, D, D is a must. And if you think you're going to sit in your home and get the sunlight come through the window pane, do your this thing. No, you don't get vitamin D, ultraviolet rays don't come around through the window pane and give you vitamin D. Okay. So everyone should be taking vitamin D and especially for vegetarians and vegans, B12 is essential. Correct. And vitamin D more so now in the COVID area. If you're getting sunshine vitamin, if you're an outdoor person, don't worry about it. Okay. But otherwise, okay. you can get into salmon and all that, the vitamin D. But we are vegans. Right. You can't get that. Exactly. Now, um, something shocking to me when reading your book was the subject on probiotics, how it's a $50 billion industry. Now, I have Crohn's disease. That is why I went vegan. Um, and I love how you mentioned Crohn's disease and eating more fiber helps um, put it in remission. And that's exactly what happened to me. But um, it's let's talk about let's talk about probiotics. Uh, first of all, I'm very happy that you were in a remission state of your uh, Crohn's disease, and I hope you always stay in the remission stage. That's my hope for you. Okay. And I am sure you will. But probiotics, as my book suggests, it goes, if you want, this is billion dollar industry. And like I tell people that all you do is when you take probiotics, it is not helping you. Whether you take it with your antibiotics or whether it is, it is not helping you. Bill, you cannot have probiotics. There are, there is millions of bacteria involved into a probiotic. This thing you can't turn around and say you're going to take this probiotic and it is going to help you with this or that. In my, this thing is, 
when you take a probiotic a pill or whatever, nothing happens into your intestine. It just comes out to the other end and all you are getting is an expensive poop. This is it. There is no beneficial effect to post. Now, if you're taking a particular, this thing, they're done you know, from the fecal matter. And then some people who have certain uh, GI tract diseases, uh, I can't get it now, but it, it, they introduce this uh, bacteria from one feces to the other person's feces to fight that. Prostidium difficile. That's a bacteria, that the Clostridium difficile. So if you put that in, you can get, because it's very difficult to eradicate Clostridium difficile. Right. So that way it is there. But if you think you're going to take probiotics, and now you even have probiotics for children. Right. Yeah. It's in everything. They make it in skincare now, probiotic skincare. Um, it's sort of be, almost become like a fad. Right. And so what my point is, that instead of going for probiotics and magnesium and zinc and this and that, if you eat a whole food plant-based diet, you are not worried about your micronutrients or your macronutrients. You get everything in it. The added bonuses, you never put on weight. The bad part of it is, to a certain extent, you get extremely hungry every time. Yeah. And you eat much more. I eat, I eat like a pig, as my wife says, you know. <laughs> so these days, I, I, I'm answering her not by words, but I'm just saying oink, oink. So, <laughs> so <laughs> the, the problem is that we are, we are taking this uh, situation of a whole food plant base, like uh, Dr. T. Collins, who uh, gave her this thing. I talked to him. Uh, the China study person. And he says, Akil, let's not be on one little thing, like, oh, it'll help in the protein, oh, it'll help in magnesium. Oh, that's not an issue here. The whole food, plant-based, proper diet is helpful every which way. Yeah. You don't need to take anything. And therefore, I always tell people, that don't worry about it. People come in, oh, my zinc levels, oh, my magnesium. You have a whole food plant-based diet properly and nothing is going to happen. But if you processed foods and if you have all these other foods, then I tell people, you see, trans fat is not allowed over here, but trans fat in India is not stopped. But I tell people all over, read your labels. What you cannot pronounce, don't eat. Okay. You see all these big words they use, benzo, something, this, that, don't use, don't eat. Okay. Simple rule. Um, it's, it's true. I feel like most, um, most products on the back of the label have words that you don't even know. And then you'll notice, you'll, you know, recognize maybe one or a few of the ingredients, but the rest is things you can't even pronounce, like you said. And um, a whole foods, I think the, you know, there's a huge difference between the whole food plant-based diet and a junk food, vegan and vegetarian. And you could easily slip and fall between that line thinking you're being held. Oh, Oreos are vegan. 
but what's in Oreos, right? GMO, it's all processed, full of God knows what. Um, I agree with you 100%. There's no denying it because that processed food is absolutely killing us. And you can't fight. You know, it took us about 10 to 15 years to fight this uh, tobacco industry. So it is going to take us years and years to fight the dairy industry. It is going to take years and years to fight the meat industry. You can't. And see, what I'm really worried about, uh, Tishan, is if you are going to uh, uh, have the process vegan diets, like this artificial meats and this and burgers and all that, it's not really helpful. Okay, it is good once in a while, you know, for taste and all that. And when people turn around and say, oh, but vegan diet is very expensive. Vegan diet is not very expensive. If you go and do your bite in bulk, the grains, the legumes, the beans, bite in bulk. You don't have to go to Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. You can get it at any place. If you buy it in bulk and soak it overnight, little by little, and you can do that, you know, and then start using things that I never heard of. Quinoa, amaranth, yeah. brown rice, couscous. Yeah. I mean, we got so many things. But all we need to do is, and now the recipes are coming out like crazy and healthy recipes. So you don't have to bank on this, you know, your, your, it is not expensive. Even if I were to just think about, uh, okay, I want to eat something and I'm thinking about a burger and just think about it. It's not expensive. Just take, uh, sorry, sorry. If you go to the convenience store, you're driving and you take a bag of chips. Why? There isn't the convenience store almonds and cashew nuts. Take that. It is probably the same price or even less. So it is not expensive. Learn how to cook. Because of the COVID, this thing, it has helped me. Three three things that has helped me in the COVID situation. One is to finish my book, Mm -hmm. which is great. And number two is that I started uh, gardening. And last year I got 2000, oh my God, I got cucumbers coming out of my ears. I got eggplants, <laughs> I got tomatoes, I got uh, uh, purple bell peppers and uh, cauliflower. Oh my God, I said, why in the world is not we Americans, if we have a home, a house, I can understand if you're in New York and you're living in an apartment, but if you got a home, you still have a small backyard. And why don't we grow? We are not in London where we live on each other's distinct block. Right. We are right there. We can grow our own food. And that makes it even more cheaper. Yeah. I mean, look at the way when then you see some nice, we humans were never meant. You know, we got longer digestive tracts than the carnivores. Because... Yeah. Food has to go in. We've got teeth, which are not scissor type. It is for grinding food. Mm. We got we got the trichromatic vision so that we can experience different colors in fruits and vegetables. But animals have got dichromatic visions, most of the animals. So we've got all these things, even the even the Roman uh, uh, in the Roman times, these gladiators, 
they were called Bali men because they, they could not afford to give them meat and all that. But yet they were so strong. So idea is that, I mean, simple to simple person, I always say, no, I'm simple, you are simple. Let's look at an elephant. Let's look at a horse. Yeah. Tremendous amount of strength. Silverback gorillas, rhinos, you look at the strongest animals in the world and what's their diet? It's a plant-based diet. Absolutely. And one person told me, but they have these canines too. Uh, I said, no, gorillas have canines to uh, deter other gorillas, to scare other gorillas. They are not uh, meat eaters. So the whole concept of us going into this, which I am afraid to say, because I mean, I am not ashamed to say that I have eaten everything from meats to seafood to all the things in the world. And remember one thing, these were the days, and again, I'm not ashamed to say it, I have got nothing to lose because I'm doing it for the right reason. When we were doctors, we used to pharmaceutical companies take us out for dinners. And it was a, a, a huge banquet. Mm. And I used to have vegetarian friends. So all the lobsters and all the other things I used to put in my plate. <laughs> so here I am. But right now, I am not kidding you. Right now, I can do a five kilometer faster than what I did at 61. And you're 73 this Saturday. This Saturday, I'm 73. And they're taking me out. Uh, my kids said that, let's go out because we don't usually go out. But we are going to go out to a vegan restaurant. Um, in uh, Atlanta? Atlanta. Uh, what's the name? I, I forget the name. Flower Child. Flower Child in Atlanta. Yeah. So we're going to go there. How beautiful. So, Akil, what's what's one thing you want to say to somebody listening out, out there um, who reads your book and who's looking for, I don't know, inspiration? Um, what's one piece of advice you could give to them? I would tell them that, look, I believed that my genetics were very strong. My grandfather was 102, eternal. My father was 82. But I got heart disease at 56. You think it's not going to happen to you? You never know. And fatty streaks start at the age of my grandson who is eight years old. So fatty streaks start that time and your atherosclerosis builds up, builds up, builds up. So if you think it's not going to happen to you, good. But if it ever happens, you say, oh, when it happens, doctors will take care of me. I hope you reach that stage because you may die. 50% of them die. And if you start building up now, like me, I started late. But I still love my vegan food now. Yes, you have to train your taste buds a bit. Mm -hmm. 
initially. It's a fact. But once you get it, by mistake also, if I have something now, my body will react the next day. Initially, I did that decision uh, because when I was in Bhutan, I talked to the monks over there and I said, are you vegetarians? And they said, yes and no. Now, they have a different philosophy of life because they beg for the food from door to door. So if a family does not have vegetarian food, then they take, take the meat or the chicken and eat it. Okay. But that's on a different level. But I tell you guys, you're strong enough, do it. Because once you get it, we are living longer, but we are not living healthier. Yeah. There are better ways to live and die. And Dr. Kim Williams, the Chicago listing cardiologist, who said, death is inevitable. Everybody has to die, but it should not be my fault. How beautiful. Well, where, where can uh, the listeners purchase Open Heart? Open Heart uh, uh, is available on Amazon mm -hmm. right now. If the listeners are in the USA, it is available on Amazon. You go on Amazon and put Open Heart, Akil Ter, even just Open Heart, it'll take you over there. And you, and I would like, you know, because I'm not saying this is not a must, but if you like what I have written, then, and if it, if not like what I've written, if it helps you in any way, then put a kind of a, a remark with Amazon uh, so that this gets more and more in many hands so that more, more people can benefit from my message. So a review would be very distinct, appreciative, if you got something out of it. And I don't mind a review, good, bad, and ugly. I don't care. But let it be, let it come out so that it reaches the masses. That's my only message. And I understand that all proceeds uh, will be going to charity? Correct. There are three charities that we are looking at because I did everything with charity. When I ran the uh, Boston Marathon, I did for charity. Uh, uh, the Chicago Marathon, I personally collected $10,000, just personally. And it means I uh, got the funds and gave it over there. So what I do is the American Heart Association is in our mind, and my wife is a great lover of animals. So we do it for PETA, and she loves uh, children, and so do I. So we do it for St. Jude's. How beautiful. My gosh, uh, Akil, I want to thank you so much for your inspiring, inspiring book, Open Heart. And I want to thank you for sitting down with me and speaking today on Tijan the Vegan Podcast. <laughs>